Once again, this is rumor control. Here are the facts. Potato in a jacket, toys in the attic. I rock and I ramble. My brain is scrambled, wrapped like an animal, but I'm a mammal. All of our cosmetics are non-carcinogenic. I've been brain fried, electrified, infected and injectified, vivisectified. Welcome, single white females, to Geek Salad episode 100, 231, uh, part two. There's no crying in podcasts. I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. And we are back to talk about the stuff that didn't finish in the top 10 domestic uh, of the U.S. box office for 1992. Uh, There's a lot of memorable, notable movies in here and some other stuff. Um, And we are going to kick off with another movie that uh, our good friend M from Verbal Diorama wanted to talk about, and that is Brom Stoker's Dracula. I mean, we're going to have to get it out of the way because it's the obligatory Keanu reference of this uh, of this little soiree. You will, I trust, excuse me that I do not join you. But I have already died. And I never drink wine. An ancestor? I see a resemblance. The Order of the Dracul. The dragon. An ancient society pledging my forefathers to defend the church against all enemies of Christ. The relationship was not entirely successful. Well, of course. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's the movie that I think people tend to bring up when they say, oh, Keanu's a bad actor um, because of this particular movie. Uh, I still think that's tosh, to be honest. Uh, okay. I think Bram Stoker's Dracula is an absolutely beautiful movie. I think it's a work of art. Um, it still astounds me how great it looks to this day. The wonder of practical effects, just 99.9% practical effects in the movie. The only non-practical effect is some smoke. Everything else is practical or done in camera or with traditional um camera trickery and it's just it still looks fantastic it's just beautiful yeah it's been a couple of years since i've I've actually watched it um i i remember though it it still looks fantastic and i know that in terms of the way it was filmed it was kind of filmed in the old-fashioned way of actually blocking off areas of the camera lens to make it to give it like that smaller um, one eighth aspect ratio. It was filmed very old school um, yeah. okay. in terms of how it was done. Uh, so yeah, I I remember 
Well, I remember that you've done this as a previous episode. I think you did this with yeah. Tom with uh, from Movies After Work, right? I did. So, yeah, I went on to Movies After Work and I did an episode on Dracula. And then I did my own episode on Dracula last right. year. Uh, right. And now I'm talking about Dracula again. Uh, it's just like it can't escape you. Well, it's the 30th anniversary. I don't want it to escape me. It's uh, I I think it's I think it's magical. It's one of those movies that I will happily revisit over and over again, and I just get wowed by it even more every single time. Yeah, I, for for me, I think it's more of a it's visually it's very visually appealing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, for me, I found that the melodrama was a little much. And understanding, you know, I know that, you know, and I, I'm pulling this off the information that you shared with with uh, your listeners. So I, I, you know, remembering what you had said about it, that you know everybody was kind of coming off of other projects and they were exhausted. I am willing to give the benefit of the doubt in terms of the performances. I still think that, you know, it's. I, I think had they been a hundred percent. It would it would have made the performances better, but I don't feel like we grade the movie itself on the performances. I think we grade the movie on its aesthetics and which which are all fantastic. The costume, sets, special effects, all of those things that you mentioned, even the music is it's it's all it's all rather good. Um, but it's just like one of those things that's like the it's really good. Honestly, you know who, who I think turns in the hammiest performance out of everybody is Anthony Hopkins. Oh, he's having the time of his life in that movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's just like it's it's what I would refer to as like he's his accent can only be described as German sausage. <laughs> it's not like real German, you know. It's like just this. I'm going to just talk because I see. And um, I mean, he was coming off of everybody in that movie was coming off of larger things, which I think the exception of Gary Oldman, because Gary Oldman's star was kind of like he had a weird like the ascension of his career was so much slower than everybody else's. If you think about it, if you think about where Gary Oldman was in 1992 versus when he finally won an Oscar. um, for Darkest Hour, it was, I mean, that was 20 some odd years, you know? Yeah. So, but, you know, I, I'm stepping on your on your time here with, with Rum no, Soaker's no, no, Dracula. Yeah. No, I, I obviously, I, I, your opinion is always valid, Andy, always. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, I'm, I, I think kind of going back to what you said, it, it, it is a project where, I mean, this has got some of the, you know, huge names of the time, you, you know, Winona Ryder, Anthony Hopkins, Keanu Reeves. And a lot of them were just exhausted. You know, Keanu Reeves has basically said that he basically went from project to project to project and he was exhausted. So I think I think let's I think we can give him a bit of slack because he's not terrible in this movie. And I think people people do kind of blame him for a lot of the bad things maybe in this movie, but uh, no, 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 we, we don't, we don't do that. Right. Uh, right. It's like I was but, saying the other day about, um, about Brandon Routh and Superman returns. I don't hold him responsible mm-hmm. for the issues that I have with that movie. And I, I certainly don't hold Keanu Reeves responsible for the issues in that movie. Um, 
quite honestly, I think the biggest offender of that was I read the book when the movie came out. It was like one of those things. I'm inspired to see it because Coppola came out and said this is the closest that we, we've ever had to a Bram, to Bram Stoker's literary iteration of Dracula. And I'm reading him like, no, not at all. You changed it in the first five minutes of the film. The whole the whole lover never dies thing. Yeah. Is is purely a cinematic machination. It had nothing yeah. to do with anything. And I, I feel like it wouldn't have been so egregious of a fib had it come up in the first three minutes of the movie. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And and this is really the movie that kind of kicked off the romanticization of vampires in a way. You know, after yes. this, it was like every vampires were tormented souls who just needed the love of a good woman and and all of that sort of stuff and you know then we end up with things like twilight and stuff so um... but it also (laughs) kicked off the literary iteration of including the author's name in your movie version because we got mary shelley's frankenstein two years later um which is you want to talk about melodrama oh dear is that the kenneth branagh yes yeah it's the one where Branagh, who is a Shakespearean-trained actor, shows so much anguish, he bites he bites his index finger so oh. hard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget when I said that I did that. We were we were driving to the Baseball Hall of Fame. And we were talking about that movie because Jim loves that movie. And I was just like, boo hoo hoo hoo. And he nearly <laughs> drove us off the goddamn road. <laughs> <laughs> because that encapsulates the whole movie. And I said that, you know, it, it just you just listen to what M, I, I had to say about it with them. It is super melodramatic. It's like in the worst type of storm and drong kind of, of way. Um, Steve actually read the book, the original book. Yep. It, the movie has very little to do with the book. Yeah. Steve says, I had uh, this fr- uh, one friend who asked us to rewind the dream sequence in Bram Stoker's Dracula a couple of times because he thought it was cool and definitely not because Winona Ryder kissed another chick in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This I, was- yeah. My paying my own movie money to see this. I saw this with some friends from LARP, and it was just like, oh my god. Yeah, I paid movie money for this too. It was a lot. I yeah, I did too. I you know what the thing is is that it's you know, and I made my my points clear with with M is that uh, it wasn't a, it's not a bad movie per se. It's gorgeous looking. Yeah. The, oh, the yeah. movie itself. Looks great, but learning after what we what I learned about the casting was like the cast all these hot hip actors who had all just come off of exhausting projects, so they were all they they went on to set exhausted. Oh, nobody was in the mood. Nobody was in the mood to do this movie. Well, I mean, th- this is our ob- obligatory Keanu reference, I guess. And um, it is he he's yep. going to visit Grant Dracula. He's going to Budapest. Budapest. I don't know. I, I mean, my, my, my overriding overriding memory of this movie was that I had the I had the I had a huge crush on Lucy after watching it, and it started ah. my, lifelong, my lifelong love affair of redheads. 
it's one of these movies that I, I enjoy. I haven't watched it in like I, I don't think I've watched it actually, Joe, since I made that boo hoo hoo reference. <laughs> so it's been a while. I, I, I'm sure I'll go back and watch it again. I think it's on Hulu now. Oh yeah, I mean I, I haven't like I said I paid movie movie theater money for it and I think I've watched it twice. So yeah. yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the next one on the list then. The winner of Best Picture, 1992. And in my opinion, Clint Eastwood's best movie ever, Unforgiven. You better bury Ned right. Better not cut up no otherwise harm no horse. I'll come back and kill every one of you sons of bitches. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, this this movie redefined the Western, basically. It basically redefined what the Western is capable of. It gave gave it a shot of adrenaline because the Western has been on life support. Well, it's pretty much dead. I mean, I, I think before this, the last big Western before this was uh, Young Guns back in the mid 80s. God. Don't you mean Young Buns? Funny how you skipped over Young Guns too, Joe. <laughs> you, well, yeah, with good reason. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Catherine, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that it was like, you know, like people had probably gotten used to spaghetti Westerns. And so this was like a really good, solid you know, mysterious story, and there was stuff that people could relate to, and it was really interesting. And also, in a lot of ways, it, it humanized the cowboy. Oh, you know, it did. It absolutely it, it, did. You know, because up to this point, I mean, the American cowboy was this mythical figure, you know, as close to a, a mythical superhero that, that, you know, that you can get. And this kind of humanized it and said, no, these these people are flawed. You know, you don't you don't go carrying a six shooter just because you, you want to look cool. Right. Right. And that scene where the kid who has been angling to kill somebody finally does. And he it makes him physically ill. Right. And he has to, like, try to justify it in some way. And that line that I guess they had it coming. And Clint Eastwood was just like, oh, we all do. Um, but the thing about this movie is the best parts of this movie aren't so much the Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman stuff. It's the Gene Hackman, um, Richard Harris yeah. stuff where he is just goading him as being this fraudulent, like mythic gunfighter, the duck of death. Yeah. You got to the duck of death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's so – but it's so amazing, just that that dichotomy and how well that whole thing went down is just – Gene Hackman is so good in this movie. He earned that Oscar. He was so good yeah. in this. Mike, have you seen this one? I have not, no. Oh, it's on HBO honestly, Max. I just looked. Honestly, yeah? Western's usually not my forte. Okay, and I can – yeah. It's not your standard Western, like unlike unlike the unlike you know some of the ones that have been like don't you know don't don't waste your time. I'm like, eh, 
think about it. Maybe read a review by an, a critic that you like and see if you want to watch it. Yeah, this one is this one is different because it's it's just this this tale of retribution and kind of like can you find the moral gray area of retribution because it's just he's there to collect a bounty he's just there to take down the guys who hurt this um this just this bar whore yeah who got her face cut up quote unquote hurt yeah yeah, it's it's yeah, the, the the opening scene is rough. I will I will say that. It is. It is absolutely rough. But the fact that the girls understand that there there will be no justice for them, so they pull their money to 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 hire uh Clint Eastwood's character. Yeah. It's they, it's really it's this is a this is a really good movie. I'm sorry, Catherine, I keep cutting you off. They they don't have a lot of money, so they're like offering to pay in pay with what they have and yep. so that's and you know Clint Eastwood's character is like you know not doing that which is which is right for his character you know it's it's before he talked to a fucking chair but <laughs> it's you know that you know that, so you get to you get to have him being a bit of a noble person and whatever but yeah it's it's there are parts of the movie that are a lot yeah but I, I love it. I, I will. This is a movie I would recommend to other people. Easily. And it's on HBO Max. So. But wait till after the holiday season, because, you know, you want to keep that joy up before. For uh, for delving into what is a very hard movie to watch. Yeah, for the <laughs> most part, the, uh, the the main like my favorite Western is probably Blazing Saddles. So that price is a lot. OK. Better. All right. Fair enough. So next up on the list was a big hit, and nobody ever talks about it anymore. So I don't know if any of you all have seen it, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Nope. I've seen it once, and I barely remember it. Nope. Catherine? All right. Because I saw this – just like Joe, I saw this once, and I remember like it was a big this, deal for – like. De, is this Rebecca De Mornay? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah I always back. get this one confused with um single white female. Well, because that was the genre at the time, Mike. Yeah. But I uh, the only thing I remember about this movie it was like the cultural impact that it made for the three weeks that it was number one. Um, at the box office was pretty much just like you would turn on like Sally Jesse Raphael and she's like, today on Sally, we're gonna talk about real life hands that rock real life cradles. Coming up next. So <laughs> it was, but it's just like the the whole thing of the like the psycho you know the psycho woman the perfect woman who also happens to be psycho it's psychotic i just don't i I didn't care for it when it came out and it's just one of those things that all right i I understand it's probably a good date movie but that's about it jeez what kind of dates are you taking there andy (laughs) uh it was college man we 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 had uh we had a single screen theater okay (laughs) all right so Next up on uh, the list here is uh, Alien 3, a movie that Steve says Michelle wasn't the only one who broke my heart that year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, Steve, let it go. That's a callback. Um, I will fully admit I have a soft spot for Alien 3. 
We need to organize and send out a search party. Volunteers will be appreciated. I think it's fair to say that our smoothly running facility has suddenly developed a few problems. I can only hope we are able to all pull together over the next few days until the rescue team arrives for Lieutenant Ripley. It's here. You got Clemens. Stop this ready at once. I'm Stop telling it. you. It's here. Stay here and get that foolish woman back to the infirmary. Fuck. Yeah, I, I don't. I like Alien Three. This is my least favorite of the uh, four Alien of the Alien quadrilogy. Interesting. I, yeah, I there's just something about this movie. It's something so. Yeah, I understand the flubs, and I understand the issue with like taking away everything they had gotten from the from aliens. Hey, but remember just, how you really like Hicks? Remember how you really like Newt? Well, they're both they're, dead now. Well, they're both dead now. But it is a deeply personal um, movie for Ripley. It it is, and it was it was fulfilling one of the things that you know Sigourney Weaver wanted was she wanted an alien movie without guns. All of the actors are really stellar. Like the performances are great. Charles Dance, for God's sake! Oh my God, yeah. And and I'm like, I was bad at telling people apart at the time. I've gotten much better since then. But like, <laughs> in, a, in a movie where like everybody shake, like all the men have their head shaved, I could still tell them apart. Yeah, their personalities and their skull shapes and everything were very different. Like it was, it was really well done. And I, you know, watching the special features is fun because Michael Peen was like, you know, he was also in, you know, they interviewed him and he was very invested himself in Hicks and the 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 family dynamic that they made. And uh, he was like, they were like, we would like you to sign off on having your 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 body used for the dead person he's like no i'm not gonna do it if i had known what david fincher was going to do i would totally have been like yes please i will sign up for it as long as you put me in a- <laughs> yeah it's just it, it's they were in a tough spot in terms of the ripley could have gotten her happy ending or they could have made another movie and they they made another movie and this is what happened but again it's like is this as good as Alien? Absolutely not. Yeah. Not at all. I out of the quadrilogy, Alien is still my favorite out of all of them. But I, I just there's something about this movie that, and maybe it's just the time it came out. Maybe it's when I saw it. But I just I just genuinely enjoyed this movie. Yeah, and I think I I did have friends that pointed out it's like the first Alien is a horror movie. Alien yep. is a Action sci-fi movie. action. Yes, yep. sci-fi. Alien Three, or Alien Cubed, however you want to call it, um, <laughs> is a psychological thriller. It's an independent film. Yeah, it's it's an independent film psychological thriller. So they're they're don't they're it's comparing them together as apples to oranges yeah. because they're hitting different notes. They're doing right. a different style. Catherine, that friend was me, by the way, because uh, Four is the foreign film. Um. Yes, and also we didn't go to college <laughs> together, so it wasn't you. Oh, okay. 
fine. Um, you might have had the same opinion, but yeah, no, I, I okay. definitely this back in college. So yeah, you you and whoever's told me told me that at the time are both correct. And okay. I, also, I also like four. Uh kill me. <laughs> or don't. Actually, oh, that's do, okay. uh four would be my third favorite. I, I prefer four over this one. Um mainly because I, I like the cast better and it didn't kill off all the characters I loved. Um, I, don't think I, I don't think I ever watched four, so. Oh, really? Say. The quadrilogy, Joe. Get yourself a quadrilogy. Because <laughs> the quadrilogy will give you all the extended cuts. Oh, yeah. I have it. I have, <clears throat> I have the quadrilogy on DVD. It's a very big box. And, like, you know, the, the, I, I watch it, you know, and I, I've watched all the special features at least once because and listened to all the commentary tracks. And because it's it's fun and it's a thing to do while I'm sewing for hours and hours and hours. It is, yeah. And the best part about the quadrilogy also is that you get to learn what a piece of shit James Cameron is. So. <laughs> yes. So I think we should on, on that note. I think we should move on then. Um. <clears throat> so we've got uh, we 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 briefly touched on Under Siege. Does anyone have anything to actually say about Under Siege? That other than, yeah, other than Steven Seagal has got like a thousand fifty thousand dollar briefcases somewhere to pay off people. I, I did pay movie money to see this, so I, I, have, to, uh, I have to I have to confess. I think I might have. I, I see it. I enjoyed it at the time. I had I had my reasons. We did we did make fun of the fact that like my, one of my one of my friends was like everything he's got is like got three words in the title except for under siege and I'm like they're all prepositional phrases. Yeah. Everything <laughs> time was a prepositional phrase. And that's why Steven Seagal hates grammar nerds. <laughs> well, uh, I think he hates any, everybody with an IQ higher than him, which is pretty yeah. much everybody. That's everybody. Yeah. He's a permanent guest. <laughs> All right, let's move on then to Patriot Games, the first of the Harrison Ford uh, Clancy characters here is Jack Ryan. Um, I have very little memory of this, only because Clear and Present Danger, which came out two years later, is a vastly superior movie to this. All I know in this movie, guys, I want you to strap yourselves down for this, is that Sean, Sean Bean is in it, and he and- dies. But he no way. Movie. He doesn't die early. He die, he makes it through most of the thing. Mm. And yeah, I was I was gonna bring that up. And but yeah, I I I enjoyed this movie. Yeah, it's I mean it's been it's I think I haven't I don't think I've seen this since it came out on on home video the first time. I I definitely saw this one in theaters the first time around, and I've seen it a couple times since then. And is this the first time that Sean Bean's character died, and that like it just became a thing after this? I don't know. I don't know. And I I have a feeling it's just been like this wicked coincidence. (laughs) Because the only movie he doesn't die in is Three Hundred, and everybody else dies around him. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think I've only seen it once, and I, I agree. Um, Clint Presentation is a vastly superior movie, but for me, neither one holds a candle. The Hunt for October. And, oh yeah. And honestly, I think I don't. I think 
I, I love Harrison Ford. I think he was woefully miscast. I, I, he, he's not a CIA analyst, which is exactly what Jack Ryan's supposed to be. Right. Yeah, I, he was too action. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's too much of a leading man. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and that's the thing, too, is I agree with you, Mike, because I, I wish Alec Baldwin was able to come back for these. because I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. As Jack Ryan, but it's still better than Ben Affleck as Jack Ryan, which is oh what we got in the sum of all fears. That's not saying much, though. Come on. No, it's not. Suck it, Batman fans. All right, let's let's move on then to um, another movie. Um, that I'm going to preface this with. You know who is a big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Michelle. So fuck that movie, <laughs> Steve. But who is a big fan also is M. So let's listen to our conversation uh, that we had about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So my penultimate choice is the 1992 Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. I'll get you, Buffy, and your little dog, too. I guess nobody sees in you. You don't really think you can stand up to him, do you? Admit it, Buffy. Aren't there times when you just feel... Less than fresh. You're pathetic. Not even fit to die for him. We're immortal, Buffy. You can do anything. Oh, yeah? Clap. Um, Because it's basically the reason why we have the excellent TV show um and for that we have to give thanks to unfortunately very problematic joss whedon for uh for writing the original movie um and for falling out with donald sutherland on set (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah it's uh it's a movie that definitely isn't brilliant but it has some very fun aspects to it and it, it gave us one of the greatest TV shows of all time. So yeah, I'm a I, I love Paul Rubens in that movie. I'm not a fan yeah. of the movie itself per se, but I do love Paul Rubens. Um, and it's like one of those things I kind of wish he had done better, solely because that was this was the start of Paul Rubens' like career. Like he needed the career rehab mm-hmm. after what happened to him in '91. So. Yeah. But yeah, no, he is he is wonderful in it, and that character has actually gone on to return yes. in a cameo on what we do in the shadows. Yes, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, a very very fun, and um, it's it's also you know Christy Swanson, she's a decent Buffy. She kind of gets the Valley Girl thing. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is infinitely better, but she had seven seasons to be a better Buffy. Um, right. So, you know, I think we can forgive Christy Swanson for a little bit. And then the man of the moment, Luke Perry, you know, R.I.P. Luke Perry. Um, but I was madly in love with him when I was younger. He was going <laughs> to be my husband at some point. I was sure of it. <laughs> uh, I had the biggest crush on Luke Perry. And for him to be in this movie, yeah. Uh, I, I watched it because I did an episode on it last year. And so I rewatched it for that. And yeah, I still have the hugest crush on Luke Perry. He's gorgeous. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a really silly movie. It's it's not got a great deal of substance. But again, I feel like 
the fact that it gave us the TV show a few years later, we've got to give it props. There was something oh. there. And, uh, you know, it's all thanks to Dolly Parton as well. Dolly Parton's production company uh, actually helped to get the TV show off the ground. So I think, you know, we've got a we've got a lot to thank Dolly Parton for. You know, she's amazing. She does charity work. She's a philanthropist. She buys books for children and she got Buffy the Vampire Slayer on TV. <laughs> so, thank you, Dolly. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> Um, I've seen uh, it once. It, it's it, it's a it's a goofy fun movie. The the series is vastly superior, but yeah, the movie itself the, is fine. The the series is vastly superior, but it was definitely a game changer. Like it wasn't the kind of movie people were making at the time. Yeah, right. It's yeah. Exactly. I didn't have a lot to say about it with them. I don't really have a lot to say about it now. I, I already mentioned myself. But hey, again, I'm just happy that Paul Rubens was able to make an appearance as as Vampire Paul in What We Do in the Shadows. <laughs> so that, that's oh. the second Paul Rubens movie we cover this year. That's true. That's true. He was on the road to his porno, uh, porn theater recovery. Nice. Yeah, yeah. so... I still I still stand by the the theory that he did that to get out of the Pee Wee Herman phase. You know, he was I, it's not it's not the only movie that we've covered during this thing. He was also in Batman Returns. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put money against that, Catherine. So <laughs> let, let's continue here with a uh, with a few more. Um white men can't jump. Another movie I haven't seen in forever, but one of the greatest lines in, in my personal movie history comes from um, Wesley Snipes, of all people, who says, I refuse to believe that Jimi Hendrix had a white rhythm section. <laughs> That's a good line. That is a good line. I I like this movie a lot. It's It's very much a movie that came out in 1992, though. It looks like it. A lot of like, lot of neon spandex, like the hat, the biker shorts, and the, you know, the, it just featuring Rosie O'Donnell, and not Rosie O'Donnell, Rosie Perez. Oh, it's just never seen this movie. It's fun. It's you don't need to know anything about basketball or hustle culture. Um, it's the first movie that I like literally watched and didn't immediately think of. Woody Harrelson is just being Woody Boyd from Cheers. Hmm. Which he was still in the, at the height of. Yeah, um, they had, yeah, this was their last, it came out the last year of Cheers. So he was starting to make his bones as a, as, as like a film actor. And it's, it's, it's really funny. I haven't watched it in a while, so I don't know how well it's aged, but this is another one I should see if I could, I could find on, um, 
on the streamings. Anyone else have any thoughts on White Man Can't Jump? I mean, I see, I saw it once. I enjoyed it, but it was one of those things. Like, yeah, okay, I moved, I moved on. Yeah, it's 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 not it's it's not I wouldn't it's not something I'd consider a timeless classic. Yeah, I think in terms of sports movies, um, because it was it was written directed by Ron Shelton, who did Bull Durham, um, in mine and Joe's opinion, the greatest baseball movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Ron Shelton was a, was a sports writer, so he really has an he, you know he's got an ear for how sports sound. Um, and I, I really I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Another movie I really enjoy, and Steve says the best part about The Last of the Mohegans is the soundtrack. The second best part is that the, my date and I had the theater to ourselves. Just to repeat, it's Last of the Mohegans. Um, I freaking love this movie. Have you have you all seen it? Honestly, the only thing I know about this movie is the fact that they use the line um, "Stay alive, wherever America, I will find you" many, many times in many episodes of MST3K. Yes, <laughs> indeed. And that's pretty much the only thing I know about this movie. I, this is one. Is this is visually a gorgeous movie? Steve's right. The soundtrack um, is phenomenal and it's just like this is the first time i like really noticed daniel day lewis being a really capable uh action star and an action actor um the set pieces look great uh madeline stowe i i still feel has never gotten her proper due as a as a hollywood leading lady she's so good in this i and the beauty is too is that the movie feels like it's being shot on the frontier it's got that nice like like beige tint to it. Anyone else seen this one or I've, I've seen it a couple of times. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, but it, it, no, 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 I really don't have much to say about it. I mean, yeah, like you said, it, it shows Daniel Day Lewis as an action star, which I'm surprised. I, I, I shouldn't say I'm surprised, but. I'm surprised it, it is kind of weird that he d- didn't follow up with it with more action roles or anything like that. Right. No, he followed up with many, many Oscars. So I think that's okay. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think he did pretty well for himself. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's, he's looking for work anytime soon. So, um, yeah, gorgeous movie. Definitely worth finding. If you can find it on, um, like 4k, if you can find it streaming, it, it is a great movie. So let's let's move on to another one. This one is the one that finally got Pacino his goddamn Oscar for Best Actor, Son of a Woman. Ooh, ah, honestly, I I have no I I just have no room for this movie. It's just it's Pacino being Pacino Ooh-ah. and getting angry about things. Ooh-ah. I'm an alcoholic. I can't see. I'm in the dark here. Ooh-ah. I've never seen it. All I know is hoo-ha. That's it. All I know, uh, yeah, I've never seen it either. And all I know is that the people that I know who have seen it had called it Stench of a Wench. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Jesus. That's what I got. Okay. That's okay. Well, I guess uh, we should probably move on then to something else then. <laughs> and yeah. Something else about it. Except I think they did do the uh, 
that they they covered the myth that they, they they used scenes from this when they did on mythbusters the idea of somebody uh drunk telling a blind person how to drive oh god oh was, yeah they they got somebody who had been blind from birth and had him drive while like on like you know a deserted yeah. while somebody told them where to go and like they did it that way and then the person that you know they like jamie was telling him how to drive and how to like turn the wheel and go more and go less and then jamie got drunk and had him drive again and the blind man drove like he was drunk as he was being directed by the drunk guy <laughs> ah, shocking so so that was fun oh boy all right. Well, let's let, let's let's move on to another movie here. Let's talk about another movie that M wanted to talk about because I don't know if anyone was actually seen this movie. I want to talk about Fern Gully: The Last Rainforest. Wow, I had forgotten that's ninety two. I always in the back of my mind, I always think it's ninety three. So another Robin Williams movie. Another Robin Williams movie. Humans. Humans? Where? No! 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 Lucy. No, no, they're no humans. They're long gone. Vanished. Definitely extinct. They only exist in stories. It's been lovely, but I got a hoon. Adios, amigos. Check, please. Oh, Father, do you think it's possible? Could humans still exist? Now, Krista, don't you think you're a little old to believe in human tails? Human tails? Humans don't have tails. They have big, big bottoms that they wear with bad shorts. They walk around going, hi, Helen! Did you really see humans? And it was actually the, Robin Williams did the voice for Batty Coda first before right. he did the genie. So this is also Robin Williams' first um, animated movie. It obviously came out, I think it was, so Aladdin came out, I think it was the November. Um, and Fern Gully came out the January or the February of, of 92. But Fern Gully was an, another really important little movie for me because... This was a movie basically all about the environment and about how important it is to protect our rainforests, our natural world, the plants, the animals, uh, you know, talked about deforestation, um, the fact that, you know, humans are greedy so-and-sos who, you know, just want to poison the world. And this movie came out like 30 years ago. And it was kind of, it felt like it was a warning back then. Mm -hmm. And obviously not many people saw the movie, clearly, uh, because I don't think it did very well. But I remember seeing it and I remember thinking, yeah, we should. We should look after our natural world. We should think of the environment. And obviously now, 30 years later, we're still kind of having these discussions about protecting our environment and greenhouse gas emissions and pollution and and it's like fern gully was talking about this in a in a way to kind of you know give the message to families and children about protecting all of those kids have grown up now and are making mm -hmm. these decisions and it's like 
I feel like the, the Fern Gully was a little bit ahead of its time in that respect, because I know that obviously we were talking about the ozone layer and stuff in like the early 90s and whatnot. But I feel like this is this movie has quite an important little message that unfortunately is still being ignored or is it being ignored by the masses for definite. Um, yeah, I mean, I only tend to hear it. I, no, I have never seen this movie. Really? Okay, I've never seen it. Well, I mean, by the time it came out, I was already in college, and it just wasn't like something that I would have ran out to have gone to see. I mean, I feel like culturally, it comes up a lot when you're talking about Avatar. When Avatar comes mm-hmm. up, it's one of the – there's three movies that get brought up whenever – um Whenever people talk about Avatar, they talk about Ferngully, they talk about Dance with Wolves, they talk about Pocahontas. Uh-huh, yeah. And it's because, you know, Avatar steals from all three of them. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, and obviously Avatar went on to become the literally the biggest movie on the planet. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, it was, yawn. Uh. <laughs> And it got a sequel. I think Fern Gully did get a sequel, but I think it was like a director video. Something. It was. Like yeah, but, I don't um, think they got Robin Williams for that either, though. I don't think. No. Well, you know, he never he didn't come back for sequels apart from that third Aladdin sequel when Oof. he uh, he eventually made the agreement with with Disney and all yeah. of that. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Oh, here we go. Gully is a good movie. Avatar. Is a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing that the basic premise is exactly the same. Scolding shame. Only <laughs> only in the sense of, like, give a shit about the planet does it have yeah. any relation. You don't have, like, good acting in Avatar. No, you don't. <laughs> you, have, you have decent voice performances in Fern Gully. <laughs> Robin Williams. As an insane bat, and uh, you've got the villainous uh, Tim Curry mm-hmm. as a uh, giant smog cloud. Yeah, you don't <laughs> have any of that good stuff in Avatar. Avatar yeah. is a piece of crap. That yep. is about special effects and bullshit. Man, the, the Cameron stands are really going to be after us after this episode. Yeah, I kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, Joe, any thoughts on Fern Gully? I never watched it, so. Oh, okay. I think, yeah, like, I watched it with my husband not too long ago, and so so I didn't even watch it, like, as a child and have, like, fond memories of it. I've watched it, like, a few years ago. It's not bad. You have not lived until you've heard Robert Williams do the baddie rap. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> Catherine knows what I'm talking about. After 1990s, whitest thing ever of the uh, Three Men and the Little Lady rap, now you're telling me there's another rap? Uh, Robin Williams as an insane bat rapping. And, it is and, worth every penny. And let's be let's be fair. Like, Robin Williams, while a white man, can, you know, do something. You know, he's not he's not boring and sad. No. And yeah. Trying to rap. He can, he can put words together. Yes. Thanks so. so. 
All right, well, let's move on then to a few more movies here. Hey, the last time we talked about The Mighty Ducks, it wasn't a great uh, great scene. Anyone want to talk about the 1992 Emilio Estevez epic, The Mighty Ducks? So yeah. when, when I was – this is the one movie I watched for the first time within the last week to prepare for the show. Yeah, like we were going over like the list of movies and I, you know, mentioned I'd never seen the Mighty Ducks and my husband, who was a big hockey fan, was like, oh, we should watch this. And of course, it's a Disney thing. So we just pulled it up and yeah. uh, I I quite enjoyed it. I, I have a lot of fun with the Mighty Ducks. It, it is it is not a perfect movie. It is a flawed movie, but it is so much fun. It is the movie you you are expecting. It is, you know gruff guy gets assigned to do community service and so he has to do good by the rapscallion kids and he does better than his predecessor and it's it's not bad yeah it, it yeah it, like, like Catherine said it's exactly what you expect but as long as you're as long as you want that kind of thing it is you cannot go wrong with it and if you if you make me decide between Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen, there's no question. Oh, oh absolutely. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. One, one is insane, one is not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Didn't, didn't, uh, didn't Emilio uh, become like an anti-vaxxer and shit like that? And... Because there's a reason there's a reason Timothy Oliphant is do, is doing the uh, the TV show, not Emilio anymore. Ah. Yeah, well, he, he, uh, Emilio is still not as bad as his brother. Come on. That's... Oh, no. Yeah, that's that's very if, true. If he's an anti-vaxxer, that's too bad. But yeah, he's yeah. still early. No. Yeah, Emilio Estevez has never been on fucking Infowars. That's true. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you got me there. You can't you can't beat that. So. All right. Well, let's move on then. We we've got a few more to talk about here. Single white female. Hetty, we really have to talk. Allie, please. I have a surprise for you. Hetty. Oh, Hetty, I'm really not up for this today. What? No, no, no. It's going to be fun. It'll make you feel better, I promise. Okay? And I'm paying. So, Hetty. It'll be fine. Did anyone see this one? Nope. Yeah. So, once. Once when it came out, and that's I, it. Again, just like The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Women Are Psycho. Um, I, all I remember is that... Bridget Fonda is too trusting for her own goddamn good. I, just, I had a hard time telling who between Bridget Fonda and... Um, Jennifer Jason Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee. I was like, God, well, that was, I mean, I know that was the whole premise, but... <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, like, I, I, I saw it. After I saw the episode, the, the episodes of 90210, yes, I watched 90210 that were ripped off, ripped off single white females. <laughs> what? 90210 ripped off stuff? No way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh man! I've never seen All right. Stuff. Okay, it's. it's- you know, it is it is what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> who hasn't that, wanted that really is kind of it. You. What's that? And who hasn't wanted to be like the cool person? At some point in your life, you wanted to be the cool and accepted person 
just nobody of us has like gone to such lengths. That's and very I, true. I'm at the point in my life when I know I'll never be that person. So you are a cool person. Oh, you're, you. Yes, you are, Mike. You are. You're a very cool person. You're with us. You know, you're on the cool kids table. It's not even <laughs> just being with us. Mike is yeah. a good person. No, Mike, Mike is an incredibly cool person. Oh, thank you. Mike is one of my dearest friends, though. Yes. Mike, 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 Mike. <laughs> what day is it? No, no, not that kind Oh, of no, no, boo, boo, uncool, <laughs> uncool. It is. Guilty. Guilty. <laughs> we banished Catherine to the Phantom Zone. Damn it. All it took were three, all it took were three guilties, and that's it. <laughs> hey, hey. Mike, 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 what day is it? Oh, no, sorry. Damn joke. <laughs> that's you work in an office. You yeah, I I understand that's where your mind would go because that's probably where mine would have gone. Had you know. Uh, all right, we're moving on. We're moving on. So we are going to talk about a little film by Cameron Crowe called Singles. long-running argument, and here it is. He says that when you come to a place like this, you, you can't just be yourself, you have to have an act. So anyway, I, I saw you standing there, so I thought, A, I, I could just leave you alone, B, I could come up with an act, or C, I could just be myself. I chose C. What do you think? I think that A... You have an act, uh-huh. and that B, not having an act is your act. Thank you. Which is the first movie to really tackle grunge culture. Fair. Okay. Has anybody besides me seen this movie? I, Does anybody I, besides I, me adore this soundtrack? <laughs> the soundtrack is awesome. The movie, yeah. The movie is fine. The movie It's was, another Bridget Fonda movie, by the way. You know, you know, I made the mistake of watching this movie because I, I didn't actually watch it when it came out. I, I think I watched it like three or four, uh, three years. Yeah, like three years after it came out. And I yeah. ended up watching it with, at the time, my ex-wife and I were dating, but we watched it with her very conservative religious parents. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah. And I'm the one who picked out the movie. Oh, that did not go well for you. It did not. Oh, boy. That should have been his one yeah. time right there, Joe. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll move on to a movie. I'll move on to a movie that I absolutely loved. I don't know if any of you have seen it, though, called The Player. Don't tell me you came here to pitch me a story. That's exactly what I've come to do. It's a good one, too. It's about a writer, sort of. David Kahane. David Kahane? Who's David Kahane? Oh, you met him. Well, I meet a lot of writers. Uh Uh-huh, but this particular writer that you met was murdered last night in the back of the Rialto Theater in Pasadena. Murdered? 
Well, come to think of it, Pasadena's as good a place to die as any. So what's the story? 25 words or less. Okay. Movie exec calls Ryder. Ryder's girlfriend says he's at the movies. Exec goes to the movies, meets Ryder, drinks with Ryder. Ryder gets conked and dies in four inches of dirty water. Movie exec is in deep shit. With Tim Robbins. It's a Robert Altman film. Yes, is, is that... Is that the, is, uh, the player? That's not the one this with is the woman, is it? No. The, no. This is the movie about... Um, it's about a uh, Hollywood producer who gets accosted by a guy who he keeps blowing off, who's got this great script, and he accidentally kills him. And trying to hide the fact that he you know, committed manslaughter, um, ends up falling in love with the guy's girlfriend and fully getting away with it. But the movie, because it's a Robert Altman film, Robert Altman's really, just really good at telling like these intertwining stories. And uh, Tim Robbins is fantastic in it. There's a whole lot of actors who are just simply playing themselves. Um, and this is also the first and only time I've ever seen Lyle Lovett play anything. And he's actually pretty funny in it. So, just throw it out there. Um, okay, so another movie on the list here uh, that Steve refers to as Sam Raimi's magnum opus, and I'm tired of pretending it's not, Army of Darkness. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. <laughs> Yeah. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. See this? This is my boomstick. It's a 12 gauge double barreled Remington, S Mart's top of the line. You can find this in the sporting goods department. That's right, this sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about $109.95. It's got a walnut stock, cobalt blue steel, and a hair trigger. That's right. Shop smart. Shop S-mart. You got that? Now I swear, the next one of you primates even touches me. <laughs> my second favorite of the evil dead movies is, is two your favorite oh yeah okay yeah i i i like i like one uh three i like army of darkness a lot but for me evil dead 2 kind of is the best combination of horror and comedy three mm-hmm. goes a little bit too much comedy one goes a little bit too much horror i'm i'm with mike on this one yeah yeah after, after i think three. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, this this is fun. I I have uh the the like I when I got into the the Evil Dead movies, I like went on the internet and looked up which ones I should buy. So I have the one that is Bruce Campbell versus the Army of Darkness. Ah. Yep. And yeah. And those yeah, of you who yeah, have, I, who like this kind of thing and haven't read 
If Chins Could Kill, Confessions of a B-Movie Actor by uh, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Get it. Get it and read it. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I I read it. You loaned it to me, actually. I th- I really like I really enjoyed that book. But, okay. yeah, I think that this is a – it's a fun movie. You know, it's a, it's a really fun movie, and I know that the, the lore of the the cut sequences and – Yep. But so, hearing yeah. hearing him try to say Klaatu Baradinikdo is never not oh, good. It's one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in the entire movie, actually, Mike. <laughs> Klaatu Barata. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I said it. I'm taking the book now. <laughs> I may oh, yeah. not have said everything single so, syllable, but yeah, I basically said it. Important <laughs> books in the trunk of his car and all right let's let's move on to another one and that is you know as we had quentin tarantino debut with uh reservoir dogs robert rodriguez debuted within the same month with el mariachi has anybody seen that one i haven't but i've watched the i I mean i watched the sequels i knew that i knew that the sequels were based on this movie but no desperado was almost a shot for shot remake Hmm? Um, okay. Desperado is almost a shot-for-shot shot remake of it. Oh, uh, really? El Mariachi is very. It's like I watch it, and you can feel kind of the 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 low budgetness of it. But all in all, it's actually it's a fine movie. I I enjoyed it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. I've seen El Mariachi, but I'm pretty sure my husband showed me Desperado a few years ago. Yeah. Enjoyed it, and yeah. it's, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, that's where I was um, a good movie. Yeah, it's it, it's just it, the whole thing, just the hyper violence of um of you know a guy who just keeps the, gu- the guns in the uh in his guitar case. Yep, of course. It's just so it's just so fantastic. Um. So anyway, let's uh. Let's move on then. I did say that Christopher Columbus was going to be making a return because this was the year that we got not only 1492, but we also got Christopher Columbus, the discovery. And I had forgotten about these. Steve had to remind me that in 92, the year we got two Christopher Columbus movies, including one directed by Ridley Scott to mark the 500th anniversary of his voyage that literally nobody has ever watched, but I'm still 100% certain of aged like milk. You'd okay. think that after Scott's version tanked, they would have shelved the one directed by the guy who made the two worst Bond movies. <laughs> and uh, looking at it, so Christopher Columbus, The Discovery, if you look at the cast list, it literally reads like a CBS TV event, television event of the, like the mid-80s. 1492, however, has Gerard Detbardu in it. Oh, oh good. <laughs> A Frenchman, a Frenchman yeah, is an Italian. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't mean it's any good, but <laughs> so uh, yeah, just I had to bring that up because '92 was a weird year. This is before we started getting like competing volcano and asteroid movies. Yeah, I didn't even realize they'd made Christopher Columbus movies. Oh, and two of them in the same year. Yeah, so that's well done, Michael. Because it was 92. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah, I, know right. I know the poem. 
So is anybody familiar with the movie Cool World? Oh, I saw this that's movie. The, that's the Brad Pitt one with the uh, half animation, half live action, right? Yeah, it's also Ralph Boschke, so it looks weird. I, I've seen Kim it once. Basinger, right? It was What's Brad that? And Kim, I think it was Brad Pitt and Kim Basinger. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Kim Basinger as the uh, human version of Holly. Holly. Hollywood. Oh, oh yeah. Hollywood. Yes. Hollywood, if Holly could. But she can't. Sadly, yeah. that's all I remember. Yeah. That. Yeah. I, I, I just remember she heard that. I was like, wow, I kind of still prefer Jessica Rabbit. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> it was definitely trying for that and yeah. trying to do a more adult version. Yeah. Work great. Like, honestly, we wanted to see this. We went to see it. And when we were in the theater, they started showing the wrong movie in our in our theater. So we had to, like, go and tell them, no, no, we're here to see Cool World. That's what it says on the sign. That's what we paid for. Was, <laughs> Gabriel Byrne, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. It was Gabriel Byrne who got sucked in. Get a Brad Pitt paid, played like the Cool World cop. Yeah. And uh, it just, it, it's just, it's a confusing mess. Was it, what was it? Like norms don't have sex with doodles. Yeah. Yes. Because sure. Why not? You want, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Joe. Why not? Why not? All right, so let's move on then to uh, what are you bastards putting this on the list? Lawnmower Man. <laughs> God. Virtual reality will change our existence forever. Oh, don't you deep? Yeah, yeah, and we're back there now with the fucking metaverse. Um, oh my God. <laughs> one day they'll have legs. You know, yeah. I, I I stand by my second second life. We've all, like I don't remember a time when we didn't have legs in Second Life. Anyway, yeah. This, uh, so yeah, Lawnmower Man, which has nothing nothing to do with the short story it's based on. Nope. Not a not a lick. Um, yeah, I saw this in theaters. I paid money movie money for it, and oh my god, it was bad. I think the it's, only connection this has with Lawnmower Man, the, the short Stephen King short story, is the fact that Stephen King still gets royalty checks from it. <laughs> and that's it. And to Stephen King, that's all that really matters. Yeah. Yep. Am I getting paid for this? Then I'm fine. Yeah. Steve, I like Stephen King. He's he, he he's done nothing wrong that you know. Yeah. He's not he's not yeah. problematic. Nothing I know. How I don't blame him for this. It, you know, if you can get paid to do this and just get paid to have your name attached to things that have nothing to do with your stuff, more power to you, Steve. More power to you. Honestly, this reminds me of an episode of Murder, She Wrote, where the uh, they, they bought a title of one of her books and then turned it into a completely different thing. She's like, this has nothing to do with my story. And I'm like, yeah, but the title was great, so we're paying you for it. No. Yeah, this one starred Pierce Brosnan, I believe. Yes, it did. Ah, it was early Pierce Brosnan. I was, I was, I was confusing it. I thought it was Alec Baldwin, but yeah, no, it was Pierce Brosnan. That was like the it's first time I saw him. Free in. Bond, yeah. Or post Remington yeah. Steel. Probably. Yep. Yeah. It, yeah, it ain't good. It ain't good at all. It's actually shit. Nobody, nobody waste your time on it. The movie exists. We've acknowledged it. Yeah. So, all right, yes, we've done our job there. Uh, all right, so we've got a couple others here. 
Beethoven. Oh, Lord. I watched it when I was a kid. Okay. And I remember Charles Grodin, he he got a paycheck for it. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy that he got a paycheck for it because I actually really like um, Charles Grodin a lot. God rest his soul. But, uh, yeah, and I – got to play with a big, huge, humongous St. Bernard. Yeah. And it, and it did not have uh, rabies, so don't worry. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> um. All right, so then we've got Stay Tuned. Is this you also, Mike? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think all of these guys are at the end of May. Uh, I, okay. I've got a soft spot for Stay Tuned. It is so much fun. John Ritter, right? John Ritter. Um, oh, I, Was it Julie Haggerty? As the, as the mother? Good question. I don't know. I know. I believe Jeffrey Jones played uh, the devil. Yes, Jeffrey Jones was in it. All right, I'm looking it up right now. Got IMDb yeah, um, went up. Just, yeah, just the way the way they you know just would go from different movie style to different movie style. There's even a one where like they played animated mice. It's, it's Pam Dauber. Oh, actually, that's right, that's right. of yeah. Mark and Mindy fame. Yeah, I knew I knew it was one of those uh, from the old TV shows. But um, yeah, I, I just had so much fun with it. I, yeah, it, it was one of those ones that I, you know, we rented the video and we just watched over and over. Okay. And then finally on this list, we've got Chaplin. Ugh. I just brought this up because I thought that Robert Downey Jr. did a fantastic job in it. Okay. And yeah, yeah he's nominated. the best part of a. He, he was nominated for an Oscar for this. Yeah. Been when, but nominated. Yeah, he's he's the best part in a in, in kind of a very dull movie. Mm. Yeah, but it was it wasn't really the beginning of his renaissance because that was been another probably ten years away. But it showed that he still he still had the chops. Yeah. So anyway. So that was our list of 92. Anyone think of any of the movies that we have to talk about? Or are we, we good? I got, I got nothing. I mean, that pretty, 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 pretty much covered everything. I mean, all the major ones anyways. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, thank you very much again to everybody who uh, we talked about on episode one for our social media feedback. Also, thanks to Steve for giving me some great feedback. And uh, to M, thank you, M, for joining uh, us on this conversation as 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 fun as it was uh, being able to be so flexible so i appreciate that thank you thank you, thank you andy thank, thank you everyone at geek salad for having me i miss you <laughs> we'll get you back we'll honestly get you back for movies of 93 next year yes absolutely excellent all right uh, if you like what you heard from m you can uh, go to our podcast uh, verbal diorama which you can get in the same place you got this podcast here. Also check her out on social media. She's on all the social medias, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Mastodon, and Hive as Verbal Diorama. And um, so next so – thank you so much, Em. Next episode, we are going to try to squeeze in a quick uh, TV episode uh, – Christmas episode, rather. So as we are wont to do, we've kind of scheduled ourselves into a corner – 
And knowing how little time we have left to get a Christmas episode out, uh, we were going to scrap our original plan for our Christmas episode. And we're actually going to do something a little different, uh, which you can still absolutely give us your thoughts on. And those are traditions, your holiday traditions that you still keep. Sometimes maybe you force into existence just because you did them when you were a kid. Now your family's got to suffer through it. Uh, but it should be a lot of fun, nice, quick Christmas conversation. But we still wanted to give you, our Dart and Geek Salad audience, a, uh, a little bit of a Christmas present. Back to the show. You can let us know by emailing us at uh, geeksaladradio at gmail or on Twitter at Geek Salad Radio. We are still on Twitter, come hell or high water, uh, on Facebook at Geek Salad Podcast, on Hive and uh, Mastodon at Geek Salad Radio. Yes, we did a thing. Uh, you can also check out our our audio as well as our retro movie reviews that Mike and I do on YouTube at Geek Salad Radio. I'm uh, sorry, Geek Salad Podcast. And check out our Tee Public store if you're looking for that last-minute Christmas gift. You can find our swag there. <laughs> Just look at the key keywords, Geek Salad Podcast, for all of your geek salading needs. So until next time, I'm Andy. I'm Mike. I'm Joe. I'm Catherine. Go forth and be nerdful. We will talk to you later. Bye. We all had it coming. But now I can't stop it. What are you thinking right now? Yeah, I just go out and just play basketball, good hard-nosed basketball. Things happen throughout the course of the game. It's nothing you can do. Uh, I don't go out to look to say I'm going to beat this guy up or beat that guy up. Anything else, X? Yes, Steve, don't come yet.